You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to our ancestors, to yours and to mine, to all of those people who lived well and died well, and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us, that we, the living, can be supported in the challenges of our own time, in bringing forward that which is in our hearts, bringing forward that which we know is needed and not yet here. And we ask these ancestors to stand with us, to hold strong, grounded, and rooted in those things which have been true for humans since the first humans, and yet also to have the courage of heart and the creativity to bring forward that which needs to be innovated in, t- in our time, so that we, the living, can do what we are called to do in our time for those who are coming. And we ask these ancestors to gather around us here today to be strong with us and to help us to have the courage to be strong in our own hearts. And as these human ancestors gathered round, let us reach through to those who were here long before there was ever a human. We reach out to those non-human ancestors in all their many forms here on the face of this planet. We ask them to help us to resonate with that, with that which is true within ourselves, our own true nature, to remember those things which abide to cultivate those things that do go with us when we die. And we ask these energies all around us to be with us as well, to help to support us in our challenges in this day. So as these ancestors gather around us, let us gather ourselves from whenever, wherever we might be and draw ourselves into our mind. And with the next breath, draw ourselves from our mind into our heart. And with the next breath, draw ourselves from our heart down into our belly. And from our belly, let us reach the earth and take a moment to stop all else that is going on and touch the earth in your gratitude for your life for this day, for the journey that has brought you to this moment, even the parts of it you do not yet understand, for the moment itself and for all that is to come. We give great gratitude to the earth for the wonder in her dreaming and the generosity the generosity in her dreaming that allows us to change as long as we are still breathing. We give thanks for beauty, for diversity. We give thanks for the absolute and pure wonder and awe of life itself. And with this gratitude in our heart, let us send our energy down, down through all the layers of the earth, the center of the earth, and connect there to this power that is before all else, that which rises into abundance, but is not yet that rising. That which is quiet and still and dark, silent. Let us dive deeply into that energy and take a moment to begin to draw into ourselves that which refreshes and renews and restores, that which nourishes. And let us reach our energy into the energy of the earth 
as we would plunge our hands into a fresh spring of water on a hot, hot day and draw this energy into ourselves, calling up the energy of the earth into our bodies, into our bellies. And we ask the energy of the earth and all of this wisdom about how to be manifest in form in a good way. We ask this energy to help us to be grounded in our body, on this planet, at this time, to know where we stand and what we stand for. And from this to create a sense of home, a sense of hearth, a sense of belonging, and a sense of community that is generated from our heart and from what we value in life. And let there be a place at the table that is open for the other. Let the door be open to those who look different than you and think differently than you do. And may these people join us in our lives and provoke us to become better men and women, to become more of what we were born to be. And with this energy of the earth bringing in refreshment and rejuvenation into our lives, we draw the energy up from our bellies to our hearts, from our hearts to our minds, and we reach up and out the top of our head, out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you on this day, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, and all the way up and out and beyond to the highest power. By whatever name you know this energy, in whatever way you conceive of it, reach it. Let yourself be in it and it in you and begin to draw this energy down. Drawing down into your day blessing. Drawing down into your day protection, commitment and devotion and all the benevolence of this universe. We call this energy down. We draw into ourselves the beneficence. And we call in the illumination and the inspiration that guides and teaches us. We call these energies down into the top of our heads and from our heads to our hearts, our hearts to our bellies, and all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we open ourselves to this great center channel of light and energy and the big love. That big love that birthed this entire experience of form that we all share into existence. And may that big love awaken our hearts today. And in our hearts, may that crucible of transformation come awake with our own conscious awareness. And may that crucible call up the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind and draw these energies together where they may dance in a dynamic tension that brings forward some sense, some understanding of why we are here. And may you find in that very same human heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world and for all the spirit energy around us that supports us in that i give great gratitude may what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things i want to give special thanks to masha and adrian to mina and randy richard ginger jose and all the other listeners who have donated to the show for those of you who are listening for the first time, why shamanism now is listener supported, just like Pandora for music. Um, so it's listener supported. People offer any amount, large or small. Um, it's all um, deeply appreciated and it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. There are over 300 hours in the archives available to anyone who can get online anywhere in the world. They are available for free. And I give gratitude to all of you that helped me make that happen in your financial support. I give gratitude to those of you who helped me make that happen by actually listening to the shows and using them in your lives, by doing something with them and out of that doing, out of that embodiment, offering questions, offering show ideas, helping to develop the ideas even further for the next listener. 
So give gratitude to all of you for all that you are doing. If you cannot donate financially, do something that allows you to express that which you have received in some way. For this is the most sort of fundamental of shamanic acts is to allow that which moves you in your heart to motivate your actions in the world. So allow yourself to do that in some way and for all of it, all the many things that you are doing, I give great thanks. So today, um, I also give thanks to our guests, Brad and Hillary Keeney. Thank you both for joining me here today. Thank you, Christina. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And so we're here to talk of the most recent um, of uh, books of many. This one is called The Way of the Bushman. And um, it is particular. There, there are many good books that we will touch on today, but this one I find particularly dear in that it is actually the expressions of the tribal elders. Um, and particularly touching is the, are the stories of the elders themselves at the end and the second half of the book. So anyway, we'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so, but it just um, makes my heart very um, happy. So um, for those of you who don't know, um, Hillary and Brad, both PhDs, are scholars and authors. Hillary, in particular, is a teacher of creative transformation, improvisational movement, and the co-founder and president of the Keeney Institute for Healing. She is the author of numerous books, and the most recent co-written with Brad is the critically acclaimed, I'm not sure I can even pronounce this correctly, Seikai? Seiki Jutsu. Seiki Jutsu, The Practice of Non-Subtle Energy Medicine. And her scholarship has made contributions to the study of interdisciplinary pedagogy, uh, social cybernetics, creative therapeutic practice and training, ethnographic study of healing traditions, qualitative research of communication, and dance. Um, Brad is internationally renowned spiritual teacher, shaman, traditional healer, creative therapist, and improvisational performer. He is recognized as, as an ecstatic spiritual teacher in um, numerous cultures. And in particular, to our show today, he is recognized as a healer of the highest status, the Heart of Spears, with the Kalahari Bushmen. Um, uh, he is the author of over 40 books, including The Bushman Way of Tracking God, Shaking Medicine, and The Way of the Bushman, which we discussed today. Um, and as I said earlier, I find this book a profound relief, having read much in researching the Encyclopedia of Shamanism. <laughs> I naively went into that project thinking, how hard could it be, and realized actually how hard it was to find um, people who had written about the shamanic people of the world from an actual practical understanding of what they were doing so which you know even more deeply than i do anyway so people you can contact hillary and brad at info at keeney k-e-e-n-e-y keeneyinstitute.org or through the website keeneyinstitute.org and if you go there you can not only find information about the keeney's work and their classes um, but also videos of the healing dances the people that were talking about here today audio for the pronunciation of many of the words and links to purchase their books so it's a great wealth of resources there um, we are live today as well so if you have any questions about today's topic you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org so 
Okay. So welcome again to both of you. Thank you. So as I said earlier, I would normally be asking for the pivotal moments that brought you into your work, and we could talk about that all day long, and it would be fascinating and interesting, and I would like to get to the topic of the book. So instead, um, let's just start with, um, so Brad, how did you end up in Africa in the Kalahari? What, What called you to that work in the first place? I mean, it's not like you weren't doing a whole bunch of other things, too, at the time. Well, it was completely um, unforeseen or expected. I had been, I was a university professor, and and I had a had an interesting dream. And the dream had no action, and it had no voice. It was, I just visualized a map in southern Africa. Um, and I was shown, you know, a particular location. And I woke up having no idea what that meant. Um, Within maybe 24 hours or a day or two, I received an invitation to be a visiting professor at the University of South Africa. And, um, And I told them I would accept on the condition that they took me to a particular location. And, of course, they thought that's strange. Why would I want to go someplace way off into the bush? And, and But being very generous, they said, of course, we'll be happy to take you wherever you would like to go. And uh, it happened to be the central Kalahari in Botswana. And that is where I met the Bushmen uh, for the first time, based upon seeing a map of their location, being invited to be a visiting professor, and uh, 30 years later, I found that I had been to uh, southern Africa visiting the Bushmen throughout Namibia and Botswana, getting to know many, many uh, teachers, uh, doctors, healers. Their word is Mkausi. And uh, that led to sort of being part of the family over all those years. And and when Hillary came into my life, she was, of course, welcomed and greeted and uh, became part of the family. And and, um, uh, somewhere along those nearly three decades of relationship, it made sense to start recording interviews and filming. And that just started to pile up before I knew it. There was so much recording I, I thought would never be possible to transcribe it, study it. It would just take so much time. And Hillary said, we need to do it. We need to do it. So we um, we transcribed several thousand pages and had this colossal effort of taking several years to <clears throat> edit it. And so that's the book we're here talking about, <clears throat> Way of the Bushman. Um, it's, the, it's the teaching of the of what we now know genetically are the world's first uh, people. By that I mean the oldest living culture uh, is found in in the cradle of southern Africa, and um, for the first time, it's their words speaking about their way, and it's a way that's so radically different than other ways. Oh, and and that makes it something interesting for us to to try to talk about. 
because we're talking about something unique and it's very difficult to relate what we may know from other traditions and our own to understanding what is going on with the Bushmen. And it may be that this difference is the difference we've all been looking for in our lives and in our relationships with each other and the context and the biology and ecology of which we're a part. And um, that's sort of it in a nutshell, just uh, a dream of a map and uh, showing up in some place I had never heard of. And 30 years later, here we are talking with you. So, Hillary, what, did, did, was it Brad's work that called you to this area of the world, or were you there for other reasons and just ran into him? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah um, I mean, I had previously traveled to South Africa to, to do some community activism work, but, but my spiritual path had been inside Zen Buddhism, which I studied for several years, and I was a resident at the Zen Center in Los Angeles, and, and I... I first um, encountered Brad's work, uh, his work in the field of psychotherapy, and then and then also encountered his his um, relationship to various indigenous spiritual traditions, including the Bushmen. And it was really sort of a big surprise as well in my life because my spiritual life had been inside the contemplative uh, meditation traditions, such as Zen and to discover this this man who had been so deeply inside a tradition which is all about waking up and becoming ecstatic rather than stillness and quiet. So it was a complete 180, I guess you would say, for me to encounter this different way of healing. And, and so it was really through my relationship with Brad and, and our work together that that brought me into a first a direct experience with him of um, this, this shaking medicine, as we have sometimes called it, and this Bushman way of healing and relating to ecstatic life energy. And um, that's what brought me into it. And it's just been a wonderful experience for me to have the opportunity to then go more deeply into it, both with Brad and then, and then to travel and take part in, in the field work that, that he'd been doing for so many years. Okay, so speaking of shaking medicine, let, let's take this moment to step back a little bit and talk about, in a sense, what that is and what it isn't. Because I'm listening, you know, we only have so many English words to use, and, and when we talk about waking up, there's a lot of people that have already gone, oh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and, and yet, and maybe they have in their way, but this is a very particular non-subtle energy and that that we're talking about at a time when I see you know more and more subtle energy healing forms being sort of born every day and they become in my sense of understanding them becoming more and more subtle and and I'm not a very subtle creature and so they mostly go over my head to be honest but you know this is when we start to talk about or do shaking medicine we we are not doing just ecstatic dance you know we, so could you just speak a little bit kind of compare and contrast you know what it is and what it's related to but how it really isn't that kind of thing so that listeners really understand what we're talking about well, that's a great question because it's at the heart of what is really different about the bushman way and um 
certainly one of the things that appears uh, to be, let us say, dramatic when they gather in community to um, work the spirit, or in their words, to wake wake themselves up, to wake up their mum. That mum is their word for the um, universal life force, although it's not that simple because their understanding of universal life force is very different than ours, and you've already said it's never subtle. In fact, they would, they would say that's a trickster notion. If it's there, it's non-subtle, and it feels like lightning. Um, so years ago, I tried to think, how can I create a, a metaphor, a word that would try to point to this, to this exceptional experience that seemed to have only been captured in ancient reports of, of mystics, such as St. John or St. Teresa of Avalon, or of the oldest reports of, of ecstatic shamans who weren't so much going into trance, but gave appearance to others like they were having an epileptic seizure. Because let us remember that the earliest reports of visitors, travelers, whether they were uh, missionaries or um, wanderers, uh, when they saw the early shamans, thought they were seeing someone who, whose involuntary gross motor movements led them to ponder whether there was neurological disorder. Uh, and that was associated with the word ecstatic. This was ecstatic expression. Uh, I would say it looked like somebody was plugged into to, uh, the, the wall current. You know, the electricity was shooting through them. So shaking medicine became my first metaphor to try to talk about this trembling, this quaking, this shaking, known to all religious traditions who have had the shake and the quake and um, heightened tremble, which feels like an inner vibration, not the subtle vibration that everybody's so overused the metaphor that we've lost sight with what it's intended to, to evoke, but a kind of high-charged spiritual electricity. Uh, first of all, you can't purposely make it. You just can't have a bunch of people together and say, let me teach you how to have an involuntary movement. Well, you can teach people how to have an involuntary movement, but that's not shaking medicine. And it's not what happens to the Bushman. Something has to grab hold of you, and you are shocked that you are all of a sudden not in control. First, it feels a little disturbing. Then you find, if you don't run away from it or try to calm yourself down, uh, you find that there's a joy that is infused into the whole of you, and you feel, my God, I must be having an old-fashioned religious experience. Uh, you're so filled with wonder that you're not even embarrassed to say the word religion. You say, I'm, I didn't know that, uh, that such a thing was in the life. And, and this kind of radical experience of rapture and bliss, of old-fashioned ecstatic energy, leads to trembling that's spontaneous and not purposely brought forth. And the Bushmen begin there. They begin when this, this mystery, by whatever name you wish to call it, for them they say that its source is the sky god, the creator god. When it strikes you with an arrow of moon, when an arrow pierces your heart, it's sort of like a harpoon with a rope, but that rope's electrical wired and goes to the great power generator station in the heavens or in the sky village. And all of a sudden, you're infused with this overwhelming, life-changing, oh, my God, I thought I knew before. Now I realize I had not a clue. And in that moment, 
you start to receive the non-subtle life force. Mm. Shaking medicine, all metaphors for pointing to this very different kind of experience. And again, the question arises, what difference will this make in our life? Should we have this hookup to spiritual electricity? How can it wake us up? And what gifts does it bring? And how does it change our being in relationship to one another? And how does it alter the way we use words, the way we engage in conversation, the way we participate in community whenever we step into the vast sea of the sacred mystery? So what's interesting to me... um just to kind of put this in context also is that of all of the shamanic people around the globe, and there are many, many variations on the theme, these people were one of the only to, to both acknowledge this energy that dances them. So it, it is an energy that is both of me and not of me. Whereas other cultures would speak of as it being a separate energy coming to me, you know, whether it's embodied or we're journeying to it, you know, this understanding it of, of this ant that uh, of this energy that dances me, but it's other than me, and that's what I found so interesting, um, and it and also at that time frustrating um, in terms of trying to get some understanding of it through the literature, is that 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 paradox of this is an energy that that i i have to sing i have to dance i i i need to move and yet i am danced you know and this is what makes it in, in my heart of hearts this is what makes it shamanic in that it is me and and not me um and I think that there's a there's a difference then between what we're talking about and, for example, ecstatic dance in America, or the globe as it's practiced. Um, that we're not we're talking about. I mean, ecstatic dance is a fabulous thing. This isn't a crit- criticism of ecstatic dance, but we are talking about two different things. Yes, yes, we are, and that's a that's an excellent point and something that can be difficult to to explain without having experienced it, but. But I want to go back to one thing you said, is that when the Bushmen talk about their relationship to Nlum, they have various metaphors for, for as Brad mentioned, uh, receiving Nlum. And this is, one includes receiving an arrow of Nlum. They also sometimes speak about giving one another a nail of Nlum or a thorn or a needle. And what those metaphors have in common is really that something, it's a metaphor for something piercing you, something that literally feels like it's crossing the somatic divide. Um, and so it's, it's an experience where Lung comes from the sky god, ultimately. So it is, it is sacred and it's holy. Once you are pierced by Lung, then it lives inside of you. Then it can be woken up through sacred music and rhythm. And one of the differences with ecstatic dance is that it's wonderful to, because I myself am, have a background in dance and, and love all forms of dance 
And so I can say that there's different, there's a big difference to me between the experience of, of just, you know, dancing to various rhythms and getting worked up and letting myself be free and loose. And that's a wonderful thing, but it's different than being filled with mum and, and waking up mum inside. And one of the differences is with ecstatic dance, um, you can experience states of joy and, and body freedom and energy and, and all of that moving through you, but it doesn't necessarily wake up a relationship to the spiritual electricity that's woken up when something, when your relationship to the sacred is felt deep within your heart and the kind of sacred songs, sacred music that is sung by the Bushmas isn't totally inseparable from their relationship to Nlum. It's the songs, the sacred songs that wake up the Nlum once you have received it. Yes, I want to add yeah. that uh, when you speak about how the Bushmen speak about it, it's important to know that the Bushmen typically don't speak about it because they are very mm -hmm. hesitant about the way in which language the world of what they call second creation and its naming can quiet down, make distant this mysterious womb that they're trying to infuse uh, within their being. So that in some ways the Bushmen have held for however long they've been on the planet, 60, 70, 80,000 years, and an embodied wisdom that we really shouldn't talk about this very much. In fact, a Bushman will only talk to you about these matters given the extent to which you've already experienced them, which is why the anthropologists really, really, really could not tap into much because they saw an anthropologist as like a child who did not have sufficient experience so they talked to them like children and would tease them and say, oh, we can't really tell you about this because it would kill you. This was teasing. Then the anthropologist wrote it down. Oh, this is dangerous. It'll kill you. Thinking that this was a uh, you know, main report. But what, what the Bushmen uh, ended up um, uh, avoiding is, is the consequence that has happened to every religion that we, that we know. And when I use religion, I'm using it as a scholar. And religion then includes all the forms of shamanism and all the spiritual ways and all the big, you know, the big five or the big six or whatever they are. And, and what happens to all religions, as Max Weber, the great founder of the sociology of religion and sociology, sociology itself said, it starts, out, it starts out with a lot of spirit. People are dancing in the streets and they're having visions. But then they start to explain it and write it down and start to teach it. And then things turn into rituals and turn into explanations, turn into talking, turn in, into institutions, and then the spirit just goes away. And, um, and then they try to have a kind of recreation of its remembrance or a simulation of it. That's called the routinization of the spirit, and it happened to everything. It happened to Arctic shamanism, it happened to Native American indigenous religion, it happens everywhere. Every once in a while there's a rebirth of the spirit. But we, as any of us who are interested in spirituality, need to know a little bit about how this takes place. And it takes place because of the relationship of how we talk about and institutionalize and teach things which are primarily unteachable, unknowable, mm -hmm. and unnameable, even though we have to create context to help bring them forth anyway. 
The Bushmen just avoided that altogether. They did not create a written language, and they don't uh, value uh, the way in which we might explain these things. And of course, Hillary and I, as scholars and as people living, you know, uh, in in this world of, of textuality and, and conversation, we do our best to say this is this is what it isn't, and that's part part of what your questions are pointing to. It certainly is not ecstatic dance, though its dance is ecstatic, <laughs> and um, it's it's certainly not energy medicine in the way that ninety nine point nine nine, if not all, energy medicine practitioners are taught and perform. Yet it's a medicine of energy. So pointing to it has to take you know, into consideration this constant you know, warning of, of let us approach the Bushman way as a way that's, that's a very mysterious opening to something most have not quite uh, opened their heart being touched by. And these days, Hillary and I say that perhaps the most important metaphor to introduce about the Bushman, as well as other high-energy ecstatic spiritual traditions, is what we call the metaphor of the spiritual thermometer. And if you're hanging out in the Caribbean, in the African diaspora in general, with the old ones and the old ways, you'll know that Really, the, the most important question is, did things get spiritually hot? Were things cooking? Mm-hmm. So we always talk about different spiritual traditions and teachers and teachings and ceremonies in terms of, was it cool? Was it warm? Did it get hot? And, the, and from the Bushman perspective is, most spiritual ways do not get hot. Because when you get hot, one of the things that happens is you can't talk. And that, the other thing that happens mm-hmm. is you can't avoid trembling and shaking and quaking. That's very different than people talking in a room and purposely precipitating dance and pur- purposely precipitating or initiating shaking and oscillations of the muscles. We're talking the other way around. Get yourself lit in a spiritual way. Of course, what does that mean? Because everybody thinks they know what everything means. Because we have to constantly say, no, you don't. Because if you did, you'd be talking like this. Something inside of me can hardly get the words out. I'm feeling something now. It just goes into that. And the temperature gets so wild that you just uh, have to have a rhythm that's got a lot of syncopation and unpredictability because it isn't you being purposeful, having an assumption or a notion about what it should be or where it should be going. It's just, I don't know, I've just surrendered to something bigger, something that's a mystery. It's got a hold of me. It makes me want to sing a song, having that vibration inside me. So when we get into that kind of temperature, that kind of heat, automatic gears within our body turn on. They push us into new realms, new realms of spontaneity. It's hard for me to talk now. I'm getting a little too good. But <laughs> this Bushman teach us how to go to the crossroads and cross into the hot temperature zones. And that is the last frontier of spirituality to go back to the beginning. If there's anything missing today in people's lives, it's spiritual heat. Mm-hmm. The Bushmen teach us 
old, they're not about narratives, mythologies. They're about spiritual know-how. They are spiritual engineers. They have found that practical way of turning on the fire, staying in it, and enabling the spontaneous awakenings of internal embodied expression in the domain of the ecstatic. So, Brad, you, uh, well, you and Hillary have been endeavoring to create space for people to heat up. Yes. And, though, I read an article, which I apologize that I, I couldn't go back and find. But, Brad, you were being interviewed, and you were talking about, I think it's what you started doing right after Shaking Medicine that was a kind of improvisational theater thing. I, don't, I can't remember. My, I don't know whether it was Life Force Theater or not. But your comment about it was that it hadn't it seemed in your comments you were saying it didn't quite go where you had hoped it would go. And I, can you? I was I was just wondering if there was a sense of okay, so we bring out shaking medicine, people love it, we create this space for something more to happen, and and it ends up going where everything goes in America today. <laughs> I was right. wondering if you could speak to that, and so that because it's kind of a cautionary tale. And probably what underlies the um, other things you're doing now. Well, that's a great question. I mean, part of our, Hillary and I say to each other that our lives, especially now, are, are conducting these experiments. Mm-hmm. First of all, as, an, as a, if we put our scholar hat on, we're asking the question, um, is it possible for people who spent their lives living in the spiritual Arctic? And we like to say there may be a, a global warming go on, going on, but there's, there's also a great spiritual cooling. And, um, is the well, and, and are they related? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Actually, yes, they <laughs> are. That's, 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 that's another book to write. <laughs> so, so we're always asking the question, how might we take people to the crossroads so they can step into the spiritual heat, hold it, and um, be in relationship to it in a good way? And... We've tried many experiments. You know, we've, we've worked in all kinds of venues from, from theaters to chapels to open fields to um, little um, uh, praise houses in New Orleans. We've, we've just worked in so many different settings. And the one you mentioned, the Life Force Theater, had various incarnations. And um, sometimes it was just set up as a performance piece. So people didn't realize that it was, you know, more than a theatrical performance, that behind it was a way to trip people into the spiritual heat. Uh, other times we've, you know, talked about our work and put it out there as spiritual cabaret. Because what we're trying to do is not use names and metaphors that, that bring forth people's already habituated expectations mm-hmm. and templates. And, mm-hmm. and we call it workshop uh, behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're, we're trying to introduce people to a context they're not sure what is it go- that's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and today, um, we continue with those experiments. We, we actually came back from Europe and we did a different kind of experiment in each city we were in, given its uh, uh, sort of ethos and, and uh, cultural 
tradition. When we were in Paris, we recreated an 1880s uh, cabaret and introduced what was going on in France in that time, which had a lot to do with ecstatic expression and experiments. <clears throat> and other countries, we did something different. Mm-hmm. But, but today, you know, my life isn't getting any younger. You know, I turned 65 and 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 Hillary said we've got to we've got to we got to do what we can to see if we can just light light some people's lives up. Mm-hmm. So we retired from the university last year and um, decided we would just give it our all. And even if it required us having to live in a tent or a trailer, and because um, we're not wanting this to be um, anything other than that which most deeply touches our hearts and souls and and have others have the same experience that we've been privileged lucky enough to to know in our lives so we've been we we've, we've been doing it and we've been extraordinarily uh, amazed by by the life changes we've seen in people i think hillary wants to say something yeah i just w- want to add that that uh, all the experiments have really really been a success and have been had a similar outcome in the sense that the core experiment is is can can people receive an arrow of nun? So sometimes we talk about it and say in the in in, in the rest of our lifetime can can we perhaps give give people five hundred people an arrow of nun? <laughs> and um, one of the reasons it's an experiment, as Brad mentioned, is because uh, we don't have a common language necessarily for for talking about this experience. It certainly is spiritual, and and is always in, inside the sacred. At the same time. It, we seek to welcome people from all different religious backgrounds and spiritual backgrounds. We live in this time where many people claim to be spiritual but not religious. And, and really from the perspective of, of Bushman healing, it's irrelevant the names and words that we use to talk about what we think about spirituality. And we're trying to bring people into a direct experience. And it's been amazing because, because uh, people that are currently in our two-year mentorship program uh, have, have received uh, an arrow or a nail of mum to use Bushman language, and and once that is inside of you, it transforms your life. And it and I think as Brad mentioned earlier, it changes the way that that you then relate to the rest of your spiritual life and life in general. Because the primary question becomes: Does this have mum? Does this wake up mum inside me? Does this pierce my heart in a good way? Music begins to sound different. You gravitate to, toward the kind of songs and performances that have known. It changes the kind of uh, books that one reads uh, and, and creates just more creative life force as a, as a primary orientation in one's life so that we shift to more, uh, toward more embodiment and less concern for this particular form or that form or this name or that name. And you really become, as the Bushmen sometimes say, a hunter of known. And, and the beautiful thing about, about coming together the way that we do is that we can then share that with one another. And a new kind of common language and experience grows. So sometimes we call it the new Kalahari. Right. I wish you could interview our students because, I, <laughs> you know, as a scholar, I've, I've never seen uh, more dramatic outcomes. That's what's taken place with these students. And, you know, some of them are medical doctors and some are scholars and mm-hmm. some are body practitioners and, or, or other kinds of professions, but to experience the way in which their lives are being touched by receiving uh, Bushman arrows of mm, yeah. uh, is 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 quite touching. 
And this last year, uh, even Hillary and I were quite surprised because something happened that I, I just have been, I, I'm not sure how to talk about it. We, um, my son lives in Los Angeles. He has a television show. He's in the music industry. And um, we moved here. And for over five months, Hillary and I started having visions every night. And these visions became what we taught in our class. And every day we'd write them down. And by the end of the year, we had written three volumes. And those volumes are, how do you take people to the crossroads and, and introduce them to the fire, throw them into the, as the Bushman would say, throw them into God's pot, cook them. Yes. And um, those visions took us to the Kalahari. They brought us seven. We'd sometimes dream of 17th century preachers from England that people had forgotten about. We dreamed sacred songs of which there was like only one copy in a rare archive at the University of Indiana. Every night, we didn't know whether we would meet a beat poet in the dreams or whether it whether it would be an old-fashioned preacher or a bushman or our own ancestors. Hillary one night received a spiritual teaching from Beethoven. And, and we, I mean, it was just like off the charts. And, and then as an experiment, we just we, we prayed for our students to go. We call it going to the spiritual classrooms. That's what the bushmen call it now. Um, and the next night, half the class had had a sacred vision without their even knowing that that had been, had done, been done. So we're just feeling uh, rather humbled and, and uh, on our knees bowing before the mystery of what's going on here. Uh, we want to serve it, and we know its source uh, comes from the Kalahari, you know, the, the oldest ancestors as far as we know. And um, it's all about the big love. It's all about surrendering to love. It's all about, you know, being in relationship to whatever words you got to say, a higher power, the divine mystery. And as the Bushmen will teach, you have to have a rope to God. Their metaphor is a rope to God. And, of course, their understanding of God is a bit more complex than ours because it includes two aspects of God. We, we can go into that later. But... You have to have a rope to God and something you feel. And it's down this rope that you get songs. And the songs are what help wake up the noom. And when the noom is waking up, you start trembling, shaking, and quaking, and you get that shaking medicine. So, um, you know, this, is, this has been quite an adventure. And uh, we're just happy that you're asking these questions. Thank you. And I just want to sort of bring listeners back because Americans are the way they are, right? When you talk about your students receiving a nail or an arrow, you know, mm -hmm. we have to remember those people receive that because they got in the pot and they got cooked. They didn't receive it because they showed up. They received it because they showed up and they, they danced and they shook and they sang and they got cooked. <laughs> It's like it's not it's not a spectator sport. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, 
Yeah, that's actually true. It's it's funny because that's that's what some, one of our students actually said about the work that it's not a spectator sport, and and there is a there is a uh, a, a deep truth to that 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 um, one has to you know you can't just sit around and and wait to be struck by spiritual lightning. The Bushman way um, is is coming together and and singing, dancing, and and entering the pot to get cooked. There are exceptions to that where um, people have been surprised mm-hmm. um, that when, when they show up and, and just thought maybe they weren't really, weren't really into the spiritual workshop thing and come to an event and think, I don't know, and then pretty soon the music starts and, and they feel it and they get struck. Um, so there's a complexity to that experience. But yes, one of the core teachings of Bushman spirituality is that rather than say, okay, let's, let's spend the next 10 years reading every book we can possibly read about Bushman spirituality. And then I'll see if I can receive an arrow. Mm -hmm. Um, They would say, just jump in the pot and participate. And this will help soften and tenderize you to make you available to receive them. We had a young, we had a family. We were once, we did this work in a shotgun house in the French quarter. And we had a family come out and, because once you're in the room, the temperature goes up. Believe me, everyone feels it. And a teenage boy said, uh, what just happened? The room changed. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's perceptible <laughs> that, that something is, has, has shifted. And, and Hillary said an important metaphor because it's a Bushman teaching. In order to be pierced uh, by, by this um, transmission, if you wish, of mm, – going to try to keep it in the Bushman way of talking by receiving an arrow of mm, you have to be soft now what that means is a is not so easy to specify because some people might think they're soft and actually in other ways they're hard other people might think they're hard but they're actually soft we were in Brazil and a, a woman brought her husband who was a a, a very well-paid engineer at a high level in a corporation and after about an hour, he just said to us, I'd like to leave now because I just think everything in the world of spirituality is nonsense. That wasn't his word. said something stronger. And, and, I, and before I got up, I said, well, would, would you just stay one more hour? Then you're free to do whatever you want. And for some reason, I put on a, a little video, a, a small clip of a video of, of, of the Bushman dance. And as the room was experiencing this, I asked people to move with it. And Hillary and I were sort of dancing and shouting, carrying on, so that that we did our best to sort of step into the Kalahari. All of a sudden we heard this man shout, and he fell to the ground and was unconscious. When he came to, he described this extraordinary vision and was so shaken that he didn't have any kind of explanatory rationale for what had taken place. Let's just say he was shaken, couldn't talk. Every night that week, he began having visions that showed up and, you know, that was that would be about what's happening in the world. He just sort of got really wild and crazy with it all. Today, he's a healer. He's no longer an engineer. So I tell that story because... Sometimes we are completely surprised by what's going to happen. 
Because by any outside observation, you might say that man was, was hard, he wasn't open, didn't even want to be in the room. But the truth was, he, truth was, he was actually soft. And in that, in that moment, he received an arrow, and it changed his life. So we never know. You know, it can be young people. It, it, can, be, it can be people who are rascals, who, who really just don't believe in anything, including the stuff we're talking about. But if they step in the room... And if they happen to really be soft, they just might get struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. And I just want to um, draw listeners' attention to these these pieces that you're talking about: the getting cooked, receiving arrows or nails, um, but also the relationship between that and then the sleeping and the dreaming. That that these these are all pieces of the of the Bushman picture. This is yes. this is how they do it, um, you know. So here we have this contemporary context, and as soon as we raise that energy, all the pieces start happening, because that's the way it works. You know. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, I, because we're quickly running out of time, could you speak a little bit about the um, w- w- uh, the piece that does come out in the book about? Um, the progression, or I don't, you know, that feels like even too hard a word, but there is a, there is a, a growing relationship with the gnome. It's not like you just get struck once and then that's it, right? Could you speak to that a little <laughs> yeah, bit? That's right. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. certainly true. Um, well, in the beginning, um, how it happens for, for a lot of uh, Bushman doctors and, 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 uh, anyone really who, who received an arrow of gnome is, is um, there, there are a few different ways to receive it. And, and for example, you can receive it um, from, from being touched and having contact with, um, with a doctor who's filled with gnome and begins to doctor you through hands-on vibration, um, as well as when you are hanging around in the fire, so to speak, uh, you can find yourself being caught and and struck by the feeling for Nlum and a growing relationship to it. And once you once you receive that arrow, then every time you return to the pot, uh, that is every time you then return into the spiritual heat, your relationship it wakes up your Nlum and the relationship gets deeper and gets stronger. So it's not a one time thing where where you receive this one big transmission and then you just go back and, and, and never nurture it. Like any aspect of, of, of spirituality and, and religion, it is something that's, that's nurtured and grown and, and we participate in, in bringing that forth. And to bring it to the um, topic of your show, the Bushman would say that shamanism is going to the crossroads over and over again and stepping into the fire. And when you get spiritually cooked, there's a time when you have to go back and re-enter the everyday. And you go back with this recharge, with this revitalization, with this fire in your soul. And after a while, it'll cool down. Then you'll get all full of words and think you know stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you got to go back and get cooked again. And it's going back and forth. And the back and forth in the daytime is the same as the nighttime. So if you're cool and you're having a dream, whether it's a daydream or a night dream, if that's a cool dream, it's different than a visionary dream to the Bushman. 
It's when you're cooked, when you're hot, then your dream, in your dream, you will also be shaking and singing and dancing. And that's a hot dream. And that hot dream is what the Bushmen call visionary teaching. So going into the fire, coming back into the everyday, back to the fire, back and forth, going to the crossroads every day to make the night cook so you can enter the light of the night. Instead Mm -hmm. of seeing life as a big fight, you just dissolve into the fastest sea. And like the old Zen teachers say, then you and all the salt that was once bitter turns to be mighty sweet. There was a lovely piece in the book, though, just because I loved it because it just felt so human. I can't remember who was speaking it, but talking about how, you know, even even strong healers, even people with strong nom can, their nails can get dirty. And, yeah. and the comment was just about how, you know, sometimes we just can't get them into dance. You know, it's like just that that we just all have to dance. And sometimes we can't, you know, get people off their butts to go dance. <laughs> I just thought it was so human. I don't know. Yeah, this, um, this, is, the, this, this is one of the big um, pieces of wisdom that the Bushman religion and healing way brings, which is that there is no progressive, straight, linear march to spiritual enlightenment that you achieve. And then for 24-7, everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be a wise word. Um, Isn't that a relief? <laughs> yes, you're, you're a human being and everything is circular and moves in cycles. And so as Brad said, um, even very strong doctors, you know, they have to be cooked inside the spiritual fire and they have to dance, which is the Bushman way of talking about. We have to hold a dance. We have to dance to make our, to make our rope to God strong and we have to dance to clean our nails, which is a way of saying, I like to say it's like a, um, cleaning yourself when you enter the spiritual heat. It's like a self-cleaning oven. You know, you have mm-hmm. to turn that temperature up really hot and then everything is renewed and tuned and, and, and cleared out. But then once we leave the spiritual fire, we go back to the everyday, uh, the daily grind existed 80,000 years ago, just as it did today, even though it's slightly different. And we get relational discord, we get stuck in our head, we start thinking we know and get caught in words and we lose relationship to the spiritual fire. And that's when we say like our nails become dirty. It's just the experience of, of you know, fighting with your, with your spouse or, or um, you know, snapping at your kids. And, and, and the Bushmen, rather than saying, okay, let's, let's sit down and talk about this and figure out what's going on with you and you and let's do some personality tests and then get our astrological chart read and figure out blah, 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 blah. They say, we need to clean our nails. And so they hold a dance. And this wakes up the, um, the Nlum and, and gets everyone's nails cleaned again. So, yeah, so the Bushman way, you're going back and forth into the fire, coming back. And the more you do this, the more you get cooked. And everybody's got a, got a gift to awaken and share with the community. And I think when you were asking about this sort of progression, as, as, a, as a Bushman mumkau, someone who owns the feeling for dum and has relationship with it, as they get more cooked, they might enter the realm as they get uh, in, are, are more freely able to be into the heat, the domain of healing, which is a whole unique thing we didn't have time to talk about here. But even getting more cooked, you step into the domain of being able to give transmission. And, and here you find that uh, moving from a relationship to home and getting yourself retuned, revitalized to being a healer, to being someone who transmits, transmits it, 
to being a heart of the spears, someone who has relationship to all the various aspects of this ecstatic spirituality is really a measure of how cooked one is. So if you're well done, you know, you find yourself uh, living right in the crossroads, one step in the fire, one step in the everyday. And when all you have to do is lean toward the fire and bring that fire into the everyday. Mm -hmm. So the Bushman way is an invitation to go to the crossroads, to have a lament, whatever the suffering is in your life, to sing it and get on board Mm -hmm. the commotion and emotion and motion that takes you deep into a journey to the ropes of God, to the holiest fire where the light will show and sing the way home. Well, I have to admit, I've never been more frustrated to realize the hour is up, (laughs) but it is, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But Brad, it's a beautiful place to end uh, this hour, and I want to thank you both um, enormously for joining me here today and and helping us to understand that as contemporary people, we can get cooked. And I encourage everybody to go to keeneyinstitute.org and see how you might be able to join Hillary and Brad. And, and if you've been um, shaken by today's show, to connect in, get in, the, get in the soup, get cooked, and go be with them and see what we can create in the world um, by bringing these ancient, ancient teachings into our lives. Thank you both. Thank you so much, Thank Christina. You. Thank you, Christina. Much love. We give thanks to the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>